I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast supported by Pragati, a flagship media initiative of the Sakshashila Institution. We are a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like to bring fresh perspectives to Indian affairs and an Indian perspective to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello, welcome to today's episode. Arushi Kataria and I are going to be talking about. the importance of financial literacy in india and how that impacts jobs and it's part of our conversation that we've been having over the last many weeks on the subject of creating 20 million jobs in india and financial inclusion financial literacy have been coming up every now and then as we've been talking about creating jobs right and arushi what do you think are indians more financially literate or less financially literate than other countries what's your what's your take on that so i think the first time i came across the term financial literacy was back in 2015 and we were analyzing coincidentally the you know we were analyzing the ubiquitousness of banking in the urban poor and to much to our shock we found out that less than 40% of indians actually were what we would call financially literate according to a more recent report that i read now a few days ago that numbers dropped to 27% nowadays and i think yeah. that is worrisome because financial literacy isn't an all encompassing term that expects you to know everything financial literacy is merely about knowing how to use certain financial tools and having access to the financial system of a country and if mm. we can't even ensure or integrate so many of our people that is a very large population about 70% of our population is not integrated into the system it it is a very big cause for concern yeah i think so i think you know being financially literate is absolutely critical i mean we'll come to the subject of understanding and discussing the relationship between financial literacy and jobs in a moment but i think at the very outset we need to understand what being financially literate is i mean in india we've seen so many movies where people go and poor people borrow money from money lenders and then fail to repay those loans and then they lose their little homes they had or small land holdings and then go into a get sucked into uh, the quagmire of absolute poverty and and deprivation and in all those scenarios we just looked upon these people as victims and we looked at those money lenders as the evil people who did this but i think while charging usurious rates of interest and all that is is should not be there and it has to be more reasonable i agree with all that but i think it's also the responsibility of people who borrow money in order to understand what they're doing and the implication of it if you borrow like 10000 rupees to celebrate a small festival and you're going to be paying 10% of interest per month kind of interest rates to the local money lender it's going to be very very hard for these poor people to repay those loans at best they will repay the interest every month they might pay back 1000 rupees each month 
then at the end of the year they'll find that they still owe the guy 10000 rupees because all they've managed to pay is the interest and then at some point if they miss the interest payment then they'll find that at the end of the year despite having paid a significant amount of interest they might find that you know they owe the money lender more money than they had borrowed originally so i think understanding financial instruments understanding the time value of money understanding that if you have to pay there is something called compound interest and what's the difference between compound interest and simple interest and understanding the implication of inflation over purchasing power and understanding how it's important to spread your risks across different financial instruments in order to be more prudent i think these are things that everybody needs to know and people should learn that from an early age because that leads to a certain financial well-being which is quite critical but having said that there are some interesting studies that we were talking about i think you shared a document with me a while back uh, there's some three financial literacy questions that lusardi and michel sort of articulated do you want to talk about that arushi right so i think the first question that they asked people so this was a survey that they did in the united states to figure out what was the level of financial literacy in the people across age groups across genders and they just asked three very basic questions it wasn't something that required a lot of mathematical acumen it wasn't something that required you to know every single thing and the questions are pretty simple it is that if you had um if you had say about 100 dollars today and you invested it in a bank that had an interest rate of about 2% and you had your money there for a few years how much money would you have after 5 years and their options are pretty simple would you have more than 102 dollars would you have less than 102 dollars would you have something would you be just having 102 dollars or can you not say and anybody who has done even a little bit of math in their school years would know that the answer is going to be more than 102 dollars The second question was that if your bank gives you an interest rate of about 1% but the inflation in the market is at about 2% and you've kept some money in the bank next year how much of the goods can you buy will you be able to buy lesser goods more goods same amount or can you not tell and now just with general knowledge right like if your inflation is going to be higher than your savings interest rate in your bank you're going to be able to purchase less tomorrow so the answer was going to be that you'd be able to buy less tomorrow and the last question was that do you earn more by putting all of your money in one company's stock or in a mutual fund and the answer was that it's you it you don't earn more yeah. by putting it into one it depends on more the criteria of what the mutual fund was what were the financial what is safer fund. i think they were talking about what is a safer return whether yeah. it's safer to invest in one stock or in multiple stocks yeah correct and that these three questions really tell you about the way the very basic they tell you are you able to think about the future are you able to think about one period ahead are you it judges your risk averseness by seeing whether you think investing in one company short term might be better than investing in something a little more long term and it also judges your own um whether you're able to gauge whether how much purchasing power do you have today and how much purchasing power you'll have tomorrow and these are very very basic tools that somebody should have if they are earning if they are a part of the economy that functions on money and it was striking the results that even in a developed economy like the us financial literacy levels were not very high they also found some systemic differences that men always tended to be a lot more financially literate than women 
the older cohorts tended to be a lot more financially literate and they attributed that fact that they were simply part of the system for longer. It had nothing to do with the fact that they had been exposed to more knowledge, but rather they had just learned by doing. Yeah, so that's that's good. And I think in India also, we have this very interesting national strategy for financial education. And, and it was first published in 2003. And then it is, and they talked about how it was important to establish clear financial education mandates, objectives, and resources to be deployed by relevant public institutions for advancing this. And they talked about a few strategic objectives around inculcating financial literacy amongst various sections of the population, encouraging an active savings behavior, encourage participation in financial markets to meet financial goals, improve usage of digital financial services in a safe and secure manner, develop credit discipline and encourage availing credit from formal financial record. Because I think that's very critical because people borrow money and if they're not financially literate, they don't understand the implication of not repaying those loans on time. And just taking it a little easy and saying, yeah, it's okay, we'll pay next month or next week uh, ne- uh, or we'll pay after a few uh, a quarter has a huge bearing on, on their uh, credit worthiness. And if their credit rating drops, then it becomes more difficult for them to borrow money in the future. And, and I think these things, and then managing risks at various life stages, I think it's very important that people save for their old age and um, you, everybody's going to grow old and die and become infirm and, or maybe have like, you know, health issues to be, health expenses to incur in the, in, in the, as you grow older. And it's important for people to be able to save for these things. And it's also important for people to know their rights and duties and avenues for grievance redressal. That's important when you, when you find that somebody's charging you too much interest or if somebody's cheating you in their calculation of interest, et cetera, you should be able to do that. And we want people to be able to do some kind of basic research and evaluate, compare different instruments and choose something. So these were like very broad and, um, and I would say very ambitious set of objectives in a country like India where we have very low levels of financial literacy. Uh, till recently, even though most of India was quite, was unbanked, right? It's only with this whole Jandan accounts and Pradhan Mantri, Jandan Yojana and all that is when like a large number of people have now at least got bank accounts. I think today over 80% of our adult population in our country has a bank account and it's all happened in less than a decade. I think as recent like 2010, we probably had less than 30% of our population with bank accounts. So I think that's been a tremendous, had a tremendous impact and will have a great uh, impact in the future on financial inclusion. But financial inclusion is not of much use if there is no financial literacy, right? I think that's, that's, they need to have access to credit, but if they don't know what to borrow, where to borrow from, or where to invest or how to invest, all that will get lost and frittered away. So financial literacy is absolutely critical. So while we agree on this, Arushi, I think we should discuss something about financial literacy and its impact on jobs. Maybe we should come back to that after a short break.
Thank you. And um, Arushi, what are your thoughts on how financial literacy impacts jobs? Let's talk about that. So I think I would like to start from the point of view of just thinking about productivity as jobs require people to be productive. So there was a study done by SHRM that found out that financial stress, which generally happens due to a lack of financial literacy, affects millions of people, whether they're working from home, whether they're at office. And according to this study, about 83% of people reported that personal financial challenges were having a negative impact on employee performance. So this is to say that if you're working and you're having financial stress because you're not financially literate, despite having job security, you aren't going to be performing well. So despite that job is still reducing your productivity. But now to think, can financial literacy actually create jobs? The answer is uh, probably somewhat of a resounding yes. And I think I'd like to talk about this more recent Google ad that I saw while watching a video on YouTube where there's somebody who is, it was an ad for the Google Assistant where, you know, it's voice activated, you can ask it questions and it'll answer. And they taught their house help how to ask questions to the Google Assistant. And these questions then started revolving around banking. How does one open a bank account? How does one undertake a loan? And the household very confidently walks up to somebody and walks up to the person, her, her employer, and says that I'm going to start a restaurant. And the ad sort of ends with her having her own restaurant where she's actually employed people. And one could say that it was this access to financial literacy where she was able to get the information that she needed, was probably able to use that information to get herself into the financial banking system and then make use of it that allowed her to start this business. And mm -hmm. more formally as well, it has been noted that financial literacy does play a positive role. There's been research carried out by the OECD that shows a direct relationship between the level of financial literacy of entrepreneurs and the benefits and the performance of that. I think mm -hmm. a study done in 2019 showed that about 20% of firms that went under were because of financial problems that it, if they would have had probably better sense of their own financials, if they were a little more financially mm -hmm. literate, they could have continued to employ the people they did. Yeah. So I think it's very important to consider the role that financial literacy plays, not just in creating jobs, but at least sustaining them and also in the productivity it ensures of the people who are employed. Yeah, I think uh, financial literacy allows you to, A, understand that there are these avenues to raise money. If you want to be an entrepreneur uh, if, and you're financially literate, then you have a chance. You at least know the various avenues that you could approach for, for money and how you could start a business. So that's number one. Number two that I hear you say is that financially prudent businesses have a greater chance of survival than the financially less prudent ones. So financial literacy will lead to being financially prudent. Financially prudent, meaning that you don't borrow short-term funds to buy long-term assets, right? You, you borrow long-term to buy long-term assets and you use short-term funds for short-term assets, right? If you, so because, because short-term loans need to be repaid in the short-term, while long-term assets might, in their very nature, take you a much longer time to generate returns and therefore you won't be able to repay them. So understanding those kind of basic things 
will ensure that you take decisions as an entrepreneur which are more prudent and therefore your business survives longer and does better. You understand the difference between cash flow and profits. There are people sometimes who believe just because you've got more money coming in, it, it means like, you know, you have more profits, which is not necessarily true. You know that those money, has, it's, there's going to be a time, there's a difference between cash flow and profits, etc. So I think knowing all these things will help you to be a better entrepreneur. And therefore, an entrepreneurship is a key aspect of job creation, right? And the other aspect of it was that financial literacy has seen large differences when you do this survey between men and women. So if you can get more women financially literate, then there are chances that they will have more money eventually. And we've all seen that when women have more money, they spend it more prudently and they spend it on, in, uh, on things which help improve the health and education of their family. And that leads to a good virtuous cycle of being able to go out, get jobs, build skills, and eliminate poverty in the long run. So I think it's uh, while the relationship may not be as straightforward as you would think, you know, it's not like, okay, when I go and increase financial literacy today from 27% to 37%, can I say that there will be a 2% increase in jobs created in India as a consequence of that? I don't think we have enough research or enough data to say that, but I can see logical linkages between the two. And I think like I said, I sort of completely agree with you there that it is an important area to sort of work with. What else would you like to talk about, Arushi? Do you want to talk about those five C's that the National Strategy for Financial Education is talking about? Those five C's in their uh, strategy? They talk about content, capacity, community, communication, and collaboration. As the five methods by which they would create a better financial literacy in our country. Do you want to sort of add, say something on that? Right. So I think this is very important. Like this is a part of their framework for the next five years, that is between 2021 to 2025. And their new strategy is very important because they did have a strategy in place up till between 2013 and 2018. And they took stock of their own strategy. They took stock of how their policy till then had done and have now incorporated these five C's. These five C's also borrows from the OBHR area to improve performance of people. So I think in content, they're talking about the fact that it's not only adults that need to be integrated into the system. There's usually, you know, a joke that goes around in circles about how school teaches you that, you know, mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, but no one really teaches you how to do your taxes. And I think this, the policy tries to address that, that you are integrating students, you're integrating school children by making financial literacy a part of the curriculum in some form or the other. I think second is capacity, where they're trying to develop capacity of various intermediaries. So they're understanding that it's not just one person's job or one institution's job to actually implement all of this. They want to get a larger number of partners to collaborate with them to ensure that they're able to reach out with financial literacy to the grassroots level. The same thing goes for their third C, which is involving the community. I think this becomes very important in the non-urban areas, whether it's semi-urban or the rural areas where a lot of your decisions end up being taken as a community, where you end up saving as a community in groups, you end up taking loans from within the community. This, this could be a very powerful tool when it comes to that. The fourth C is communication. As we know, digitization 
the jam thing that we've spoken about, we've been leveraging technology and communication intends to do just that. It wants to leverage the technology of mass media. It wants to use more innovative ways to get the message across to people. And lastly, it wants to do collaboration. It wants to streamline the efforts of everybody who's currently involved in the financial literacy space. This involves not just those who need to be given this education, but also those who are imparting it, which doesn't need to be just the Reserve Bank of India through its modules, but also various other banks, probably various other NGOs that are working in the space of improving financial literacy. This policy does well on this count, that it is, it is acknowledging the fact that it's a policy that needs to be that needs to account for the fact that it's being implemented in India. It needs to account for the context in which it's being implemented. And it has taken stock of what worked and what didn't work previously. And it's tried to include all of that to ensure that in the next five years, there is a growth in the financial literacy in India. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. And I think it's also important to now look at some of our ideas that we discussed in the earlier podcasts on the subject of 20 million jobs. One of the first things that we discussed was about the need for new skills in a fast-changing world. And if you need new skills, you need new training or continuous training. If you want continuous training, somebody has to pay for that training and how it has to be financed. And we talked about fairly complex financial instruments like securitization, etc., which can be at-risk loans, securitization, all that to be used in order to upskill people. And financially literate population would understand some of these instruments a little bit better and therefore is more likely to take advantage of such innovations that may come in the market. So I think that's a, that, that is one reason, one thing that connects to some of the ideas that we discussed earlier. Then we talked about the importance of access to credit and especially access to credit to rural women as one of the means by which we would increase jobs. And financially literate society has more chance of getting their women access to credit than one which is less literate. So I think there's enough evidence to demonstrate that a financially literate population will, be, will have a greater sense of well-being than one that is not so. But it's also clearer to me, as we talk about it, that financial literacy is, is an important first step towards job creation as well. Thank you very much. I think this was an interesting conversation, Arushi. Short discussion, but I think it was packed with some interesting insights and research on the subject of financial literacy and job creation. Thank you very much. If you liked our show, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can tune into them on the IVM podcast app, ivmpodcast.com, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow IVM on social media. The handle is at IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And hey, if you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy, and economic affairs, check us out at our Twitter handle at takshashilainst or our website takshashila.org.in